I'm calling this word today, finding grace to help. I'm reading a scripture from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then draw near with confidence, parisia is the word, which means a freedom to speak our mind, to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. Boethia, we will look at what that word means shortly. In time of need, eukairos, the time and the moment of God when the grace is needed. I believe that scripture summarises the experience of the previous account of the mountain of transfiguration that I've been speaking about where I outlined the three stages of personal transformation or transfiguration of our souls. So these stages were climbing the mountain, being on the mountain, and then coming down from the mountain. What I'd like to share about today is finding grace to help. That is the most significant thing, I believe, about being on the mountain That's this aspect of stage two, having climbed the mountain, coming on the mountain, in the presence of God. So that scripture starts off by encouraging us to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. And that summarises the first stage of the process of climbing the mountain, drawing near with confidence to the throne of grace. Our drawing near is the intention of our hearts to be closer to God. We set off on that journey to come closer and we climb. And this happens as we climb and consider the issues of our daily life down below that are now going to be given to the Lord. We approach with confidence. That word, parousia, means frank and outspoken. It describes the freedom of speech as from one citizen to another. That is the way the Greeks looked at that word. Having an open conversation, being yourself. That's our approach to God. Being honest with the Lord about our doubts and fears and confusion about what to say, what to do in certain situations. Anything that's on our heart, humanly speaking, that we just need to be able to talk about. It is actually going beyond talking to yourself. It's saying, I'm going to talk to the Lord about this. It's still about you when you're going up the mountain. But you're talking to God about you. When you get to the mountain, it's about him. But this is this approach, being honest with him. We might question him. And ask him things like, why is this situation happening to me? And somehow, in one way or another, we always get answers to questions like that. You know what happens when you ask God questions and he gives you answers? Sometimes they can be quite amusing. The Lord's got a sense of humour. And sometimes he just helps us to laugh at ourselves. We think, well, thank you for the answer, Lord. Yeah, okay, I needed that. And all the while, as we're climbing, we're receiving mercy. So we approach 
or draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy. So here we are on the way receiving mercy because we wouldn't dare draw near to God without knowing that his mercy was available to us. Who are we? And we'd certainly not confidently discuss our weaknesses and failures and doubts and lack of faith. We wouldn't do it in such an open and honest manner on the climb unless we were willing to receive that mercy. That's a beautiful act of faith in God to believe that he covers our falling short because he knows our intention. We're climbing to get closer to him. While we're on that climb, we are anticipating reaching the throne of grace, the place from where all the divine activity of God, which is what grace is, we're anticipating reaching that throne of grace. And that divine activity of God flows into the hearts of his human family in the earth. And that throne of grace is the mountaintop where we will find grace to help. Now God's grace is always there for each one of us. And mostly, we don't know it. That's why this scripture says, receive the mercy that you may find grace. You have to find it. It's there. The Bible tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's his face looking. And God told Moses that he had found grace in his sight. Being in God's sight or in the eyes of the Lord for those two men, Noah and Moses, meant that they knew that God was looking upon them. His countenance was shining upon them. And the word countenance in the Hebrew, panim, means face, and it also means presence. When something in our hearts tells us that God is mercifully and lovingly looking upon us, we know that we have found grace. Something happens inside of us. It's not just about us anymore. He's there and we're the object of his love and the object of his activity. We have found grace. We are no longer self-conscious. We're God-conscious. Now just reflect upon that now because that is what grace is. It's not self anymore. God, you're doing something. Where are you doing this and what are you doing? And he just says, I'm doing something towards you, just towards you. Well, thank you, Lord. And we reflect upon that. In those moments when we come to him, you're doing something that you want to do towards me. I'm going to let you do it. We're simply experiencing God's loving and powerful activity towards us as his children. Now, sometimes it comes by surprise. We haven't climbed a mountain. We haven't been seeking his face. We haven't been doing anything. It just comes. Something happens in the core of our being that brings us closer to God. And that's his sovereign grace. 
And that's what's probably happened to most of us when all of a sudden we got a revelation of God. We didn't know perhaps where we were going, but something hit us and something changed. That's the grace of God. By grace you were saved through faith. And that wasn't your own faith, that was the gift of God. But when we come into the grace of God, that activity of God, which is what it is towards us, it comes into our spirit, but it works out through our souls, we can be empowered by his grace activity to soften our hearts and surrender our will to him. That's the grace of God. You don't just talk yourself into it. Something's happening. Well, you try to talk yourself into it with willpower or won't power, but grace empowers the heart to be softened and the surrender to come. Or we could ask him to change us and to create a clean heart within us. That will happen in the place of grace. Sometimes it comes as an anointing of the Holy Spirit to bless and serve other people with a gift of grace. And that's from God. The Bible says that through Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace. I wish we stand and rejoice in hope for the things that God is going to do in our lives. And we can find grace at any time because it never goes away, but we need to find it. The scripture goes on to say that we find grace to help. The word help here does not simply mean to assist or to give aid in a general way. The word is boethia, and I said I'd talk about it. This is a most peculiar word of a very peculiar origin. It is defined as a rope or chain for frapping a vessel. F-R-A-P-P-I-N-G, for frapping a vessel. And that entails the binding of four or five turns of a large cable or rope around a ship's hull when it's feared that the hull is not strong enough to resist the stormy sea. That ends up in the book of Hebrews. I've been sailing for years. And nobody's ever told me about frapping. The word boethia, to frap, occurs only twice in the Bible occurs here, and also in Acts chapter 27, verse 17. Let's, let's read this. I'll start from verse 14. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cowder, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's hull. After hoisting it up, they used helps to undergird the ship. Help. Boethia. I read that scripture for years and thought it meant they used people, helping people, helpers. It is ropes, cables that bind the hull. I had never heard the word frap in my life before. But now I'm finding that it could be one of the most transforming and transfiguring words I've ever stumbled upon. Paul took this word, helps, from his experience on a stormy sea as a prisoner being escorted by ship to Rome. From Rome, he wrote his letter to the Hebrews. And he used the same word, help, 
boethia that we find in our text. They're the only times that that word appears. So Paul had a reason for talking about this grace, what it does. It helps, not just an ordinary help. It holds our soul together. The whole that could get smashed in the storm. He uses the word to describe what kind of protective holding together that the ship needed on a stormy sea and he applies it to the activity of God's grace in holding our soul together when we face the uncertainties of times of need in our lives. Grace to help in times of need. And you wonder why Paul might have been shipwrecked or why he had that experience. Well, it certainly came to good use when he wanted to describe to us what grace did. Our souls are comprised of our mind and our emotions and our will. And these three parts need to work in unity with one another and to be reordered and pulled back together when they look like flying apart. And that takes more than a self-help program to hold our soul together. We might have our routine tasks organised and stay calm, but our minds could be wandering off all over the place. You ever had that feeling? Or we can have thought things through clearly, our mind's okay, and doing what needs to be done, but we find that our emotions are in a state of anxiety for no reason. And there are times when we find ourselves wearied in soul to the point that our will no longer has strength to actually make the decisions we have to make. And we need to find rest for our souls. Now that's our soul. That can fly apart. It needs holding together, reordering. It has to work in a place of unity. The mind and the emotions and the will need to be working together and secure in God in the times of storm, times of need. What holds us together is the activity of the grace of God. It reorders our confused mind through the Holy Spirit. The same activity of grace brings peace to our heart from the throne of grace as we draw near to God. And the same grace brings our will into a place of yielding to the will of God when we cry out to him. It's all grace. When we find it, something happens to change us and it never stops. So it's a good idea to be finding or looking for and finding grace as often as we can. Jesus has words of grace for us. I'm just going to read you a couple because all of that that I've just described about our soul gives meaning to our hearing the words of grace from Jesus that say things to us like, come to me when you are burdened, weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls. He's waiting to offer grace. That's in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. And then we hear him say, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's in John 14. So grace, as we find it, and receive it, it seats itself first deeply within our spirit, spirit to spirit. Then it brings rest to our souls. And that rest 
It's not laziness or passivity, but it's the soul's relief from the nagging feeling that we carry around with us as human beings of self-consciousness. What's wrong with me? What's happening to me? Why did I say that? Shouldn't have said that. What is going to happen? So the, the nagging feeling of self-consciousness gives way, when grace comes, to the welcome enclosure of God-consciousness. Thank you, Lord. Now, what's this time of need? We find grace to help in time of need. And that word is eukairos. Strictly translated, EU means good, and kairos means God's moment, God's time. So receiving mercy and finding grace are aspects of God's love that are poured out in the provision of his protective help, the frapping of holding us together. And that provision arrives at the appropriate and appointed time. It is God's eukairos for the right time, the right moment, the right occasion. Now, it's not only going to come upon you as you're in the grace of God because your soul, as you wait upon the Lord, our soul comes together. That's what his grace does. But the grace that you're praying for not only holds your soul together at the time you ask for it, but it will find you in a time of anticipated, say, future challenge, something that's coming up. Because you've prepared your heart of faith to receive it and when that challenge comes this is going to be a difficult encounter God says yes but you've sought grace and you've found it and the eukaros the good time in the moment in that moment when you need it it will be there wow that's faith so we can take hold of and embrace the activity of grace with all the energy that's within us don't hold back as we embrace the activity of grace with that energy that we put into it of faith we become grateful for having found grace in God's grace-filled world where he wraps us the whole world is wrapped in grace waiting to be found wrapped in God's love I'm reading to you now from Titus 2 verse 11 for the grace of God that brings salvation has shone upon all mankind. It's not a bad grace, is it? It becomes our rule of life. Finding grace becomes the rule of our lives and this amazing grace, which is the powerful, redemptive relationship between God and his human family, merits our perseverance in faith and obedience. Once that grace has come upon us, we dare not let it go. It's not just a one-off. Well, now I've been saved. Now we go on being strengthened by grace. And that merits our perseverance. It's the discipline that makes the word disciple worthy of its description. Finding grace. What can you do without it? We start each day with a time of finding grace in the loving gaze of the Lord. Give yourself some minutes for that. And then through the day, we can have times of recollection 
of this grace-filled time of our souls being held together. I've mentioned before that that need only take a minute, a moment of recollection. Say 20 seconds of coming near and receiving mercy. Being yourself, which is mostly about us. This is me and all my stuff, Lord, drawing near and receiving mercy, being confident to talk. And then 20 seconds of finding grace in his sight, envisioning the fact that he's looking upon us with delight and joy that we've come this close. And we're being held together like the hull of a ship in a storm. We're not going to fly apart. And then 20 seconds for the grace to help in the times of need ahead. And you look forward and you say, thank you, Lord, you'll be there. I've now received the holding together, the grace. And at the right moment, at the good moment, your time, it will be there for me. And I'm exercising my faith for that now. And we can be at rest and face anything because the grace of God can be part of our lives. Grace has kept the church alive, despite its being so much overlooked throughout the years. And I believe that in these days, God is holding it out to us to become the prize. It was grace that brought us safe thus far. And grace will lead us home. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for its availability. Thank you that by our faith we can have access to this grace and receive a new hope, be filled with hope and be at rest in our souls and be ones that give grace into the world around us, the world that reaches out from us to those ones that we know. We thank you for grace now, in Jesus' name. Amen.